Hi everybody, you are listening to The Rope Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk, and we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to this very episode before you attempt it at all. And you can always find a reference to this episode at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya's a bottom, and we're rope partners. We've been practicing together for just over a year, and we're super excited to share our passion for rope with you. Oh yeah, and we live in Thailand. Today, we are going to talk about what we're doing with this podcast and why. We're also going to mention some important considerations before you practice rope yourself. If that is something you intend to try, you can also just have interest in rope in general and not want to do it for yourself. Yeah, I think it's always interesting to learn about other kinks. So Maya, what, what exactly is rope bondage? Um, so rope bondage is uh, essentially about tying people up and using rope. And it has different levels of complexity. So um, sometimes it's just about restricting a person's movement. And sometimes it's a more complex uh, tie um, that involves uh, restricting people, uh, suspending people, restraining people. Um... Why, why would you want to do that? Um, why do we want to do that? Well, because um, it's an interesting thing to do, and okay. I guess from a top perspective and a bottom perspective, it brings different types of sensations and feelings. So you're you're talking about tops and bottoms. That sounds like a a good moment to explain what those are, and maybe some other words for them, and who we are. Don't you think so? That sounds good. So Maya, I am told you are a rope bottom. I am indeed a rope bottom, and that means that I enjoy being tied up rather than tying. Okay, uh, are there other words one can use for uh, a rope bottom that we can like, commonly encounter on FetLife or in other places in the community? Yeah, so um, I actually identify with the word bunny, um, rope bunny, because I think it's uh, cute and I like it. Okay. Um, other people prefer to use bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, sometimes rope model as well is another one that people use. Okay. As for me, I am a rope top, which means I like to tie people up. And in my case, I am a straight male and I enjoy tying up women. But you can do rope with any combinations of genders or sexual orientations, of course. For sure, for sure. <clears throat> and what kind of uh, words are used for a rope top? Uh, you encounter mostly the word rigor, uh, used for rope tops. Sometimes, uh, in the less uh, serious places, you you can be called a rope master, which I think is a tad ridiculous, <laughs> personally. Yeah, we we don't, I guess, use that. The the names aren't as cute for tops as they are for bottoms, eh? So, uh, Maya, how long have you been doing rope for? Can you tell us a bit more about your uh, introduction to rope and what drew you to it? Uh, Sure. So, I guess I've been doing rope for um, 18 months, two years, something like that. 
18 okay. months maybe um and i started when i started getting into the kink community in thailand um it happened that some of the friends that i met um, at my first munch which is like a social event for kinky people were interrupt and so i was pretty much open to just understanding uh, and exploring new things so i went along to some more workshop type activities and then i went to my first party a few months later um and i met you and you then did I indeed. Lots of in fact you did more than just meet me i believe at that party <laughs> Oh, okay, right, yep, I did. So the party was a, um, a slave auction, um, slave in the BDSM sense uh, as opposed to anything else. And what that means is people put themselves up for auction and the profits of the auction go to a charity. And you indeed were the first person up for sale as a rigger. And Although I, I will comment that I am not a slave, I'm, I'm rather a D-type, if anything. If if anything, yes, I would say that would be correct. Um, yes, so so as a, a top or a rigger or a D, you went up first because none of the bottoms or the subs wanted to be first. Um, and yeah, it was an opportunity to buy a rope top. And that is how we met. And a little more than a year later, we have a podcast together. Yes, we do. And we've done a lot of rope. Indeed. Um, so what about you? Tell me about your rope journey. Uh, I started rope a bit over uh, a year and a half ago and I was uh, quite tentative at first because um, for some reason I didn't feel like something that was within my grasp. I thought, I thought it was beyond my abilities and that uh, the dexterity required was something I did not have. So it's not something you I did? had. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did not know that. Yeah, that's that's why we are sharing those stories with our dear listeners. We <laughs> we get to learn about a bunch of interesting stuff. And I, I had been doing BDSM for a long time. I had uh, a bit over 15 years experience in, uh, in BDSM by that point. And I had been using uh, toy restraints such as leather cuffs, uh, cable ties was a big thing of mine and the thing with cable tie is cable, cable ties can be used by anyone you don't need any special skill right you you need to have some uh, some safety conscious consciousness if you're going to use cable ties of course as with any bondage but you don't need to yeah. develop much of a technical skill to use a cable tie would you would you agree yeah yeah definitely so anyway, I had encountered rope, as you do in the kink scene, but I had never thought of it as something that was for me. And then I met a partner who I got uh, quite uh, serious with and developed a master and slave relationship with, with me as the master. And she loved rope. And she loved rope so much that I wanted to learn some of it to be able to give her that. Hmm. That's, that's really nice. And so how did you start learning? I went to a workshop with a local rigger up in, uh, up in Chiang Mai. So that's in the north of Thailand. And uh, I went once without my partner and learned the basics. And then I had another workshop with uh, that same rigger that I went to with my partner. And that's when I had my first rope scene. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, what 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 drew you to rope? So so you said at first that it, you felt it was a bit technical, yeah. or you felt you might not be able to do it. So yeah. w- how did that change, or when did that change? Um, well, I think I understood right away from the first workshop that rope was not what I thought it was, and it wasn't something. It was about uh, manual dexterity so much, and it was much more something that happened, one, in the brain, and two, on a sensual and connective level with your partner. Okay, okay. So so what are the um, <coughs> sensations that you, you get from rope? The sensations I get from rope. I get a very strong sense of connection with the person that I am tying. And I get a strong connection of, a strong, sorry, a strong sensation of control, uh, the ability to exert a lot of control on my model, which means I can restrict her, I can expose her, I can move her around, I can cause her to relax or to tense up in pain, depending on what I'm doing with my rope. And as a dominant, it is, it is a dynamic that I enjoy a lot. What about you, Maya? What are what are the feelings you get when you do rope? Um, I really like um, the the feel of rope itself. So the hemp rope that we use, I like the smell of it and I like the the touch of it on my skin. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, I like that connection with the person tying me. So rope feels to me like a way to communicate. So the things that you were talking about before, whether you're um, helping them person relax or you're um, controlling them or, or whatever then that becomes a, a way of connecting and communicating for sure um, I like being restrained so the I guess the flip side of some of the sensations that you said being tied up being restrained um, I find it very peaceful um, being held by rope um, and that can be uh, floor work, but also suspension. So in a suspension, you're um, completely held, your weight is completely held by the rope, um, and you can so really relax. Maya, would you, for uh, our listeners who are a bit uh, newer to the subject, explain the difference between what you call floor work and what you would call suspension? Yeah, so um, for me, floor work would be uh, rope that's, that's essentially done... Um, from the on the ground, uh, okay. whether that's a bed or a balcony or a, a floor, um, so you might be tying to something, but it's not necessarily a point above the person. Um, you're not taking any of the weight of the person on another point. Whereas in a suspension, whether it's a partial or a full suspension, you are using some kind of point, usually above the person. Um, which will which will hold or take some of that person's weight. Does that sound right? Yeah, and then if you're only supporting part of their body weight, such as one leg up and the other foot on the ground, that would be a partial suspension. And mm. you, if you are if you're supporting the full body weight, so the person is in fact uh, in practice weightless and possibly swinging in the ropes and such, that would be a full suspension. Mm. Right. Right. And for me, being able to let go to the rope is a really 
relaxing feeling and and in fact it's probably the most uh relaxing thing that i've that i do or one of the most relaxing things that i do it makes me very um spicy i guess i would say maya of all the people i know who do rope and i i know quite a few you are the person with the strongest reaction to rope i've ever noticed oh really okay yeah. um yeah i like it a lot i, like I mean it a lot Please, please allow me to illustrate. Um, in the last rope scene we did together, what what did we do? What happened? Uh, we did some tying on the floor, mm -hmm. uh, some harnesses, a hip harness and a chest harness, and then it got a bit blurry, and you said you'd tell me. So what you're saying is you were so spacey from the sensation of a rope on your body that you can't actually quite remember what we did. I mean, I kind of can. I kind of can in like, I mostly can. But um, yeah, it was, I, it, that was an interesting scene because I felt spacey before we did any suspension. Mm -hmm. um, whereas normally, like you do a bit more rope before I feel quite so floaty. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was floaty very fast in that one so and then in my experience after a good rope scene you can say spacey for a good two hours and more um it does have a impact on me definitely and also um so i take some pain medication for my various stuff and when i do rope i take less pain medication so i think that it has um, some kind of endorphin release some kind of uh, relaxant and and trying to explain that to people who don't really do rope is quite hard so i i have friends and family who i've tried to talk to about it and they they really struggle to understand you know why why one might enjoy it um, but there's a there can be sexual or non-sexual types of rope and for me even non-sexual rope still can give me that um relaxing floaty feeling so let, let me stop you right there, Maya. What's, what is sexual versus non-sexual rope? Mm, that's, that's an interesting question. So for me, um, non-sexual rope is uh, rope that just involves uh, tying and being tied without any, um, I guess, genital contact or mm -hmm. sexual contact in any way. So it might be a little bit sensual, um, but not sexual, whereas sexual rope can range from know some kissing and touching up to having more sexual contact while you're in rope okay uh, would you say yourself you're more of a sexual rope person or more of an asexual rope person um, well I'm not very asexual generally mm -hmm. I like the sexing so um, if I'm choosing then it's sexual rope but of course it depends on the person so excuse me obviously you and I are partners and um, uh, relationship partners as well as rope partners so we uh, use rope as part of our connection and part of our DS connection as well so rope obviously has a big vulnerability element which is both nice and challenging sometimes um, and rope can really enhance that power exchange um, but with other people uh, depending on who they are I might just do 
uh, some non-sexual rope, which is more about being held by the rope or being moved by the rope, uh, being controlled by the rope. What okay. about you? What do you like best? Um, I I have done, I have done both types of rope, and then more in the sense that I have done uh, sexual rope and non-sexual rope, and I have also done rope with no sex, but with other forms of BDSM play mixed in such as impact and other ways to inflict pain on a rope bottom but also happens to be a masochist hmm. and which do you prefer what do you enjoy most i am uh, i am mostly a sexual rope top uh, i like most of my scenes to have a sexual element or at least a sensual one i like i like touching i like a lot um, exploring my partner's body and uh, rope is a really interesting way to meet someone on a pretty deep level when you tie them for the first time and you're attentive to their reactions and maybe depending on what you've negotiated with them and that's something we're going to cover right after this maybe you move away their clothing a bit maybe you discover their body in a more or less intimate way and that i feel is uh, very powerful Mm, mm. And people do rope for for quite different reasons, right? So, so what are the other ways that people or reasons that people do rope? Uh, some people do rope mainly for the aesthetic of it, to do photo shoots, artistic uh, artistic photography, and such. And it is quite a different experience from uh, scene tying for sensation, which is the type of tying I do. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. So I have done some. Uh, bottoming for rope photographs which I, I love I think the photographs are really beautiful mm-hmm. um, but the, the process of being tied for them was not really seeming so much um, you know when someone is uh, to- when someone's connecting with your body uh, in a in a way as a scene it's completely different from when someone's posing you more like a, a doll I guess uh, mm-hmm. to take photos um, and for me, although I love the end result of the um, aesthetic uh, rope stuff, um, the the enjoyment of the process is less. Of course, that's that is that is much less our style. You also you also get some people who do rope as a performance at parties or at uh, BDSM shows. Yes, definitely. So um, people who are maybe more exhibitionist or just enjoy. Um, showing more flashy suspensions and stuff and I would say so having been to uh, the UK recently there was some um, shibari uh, which is one of the words for uh, rope bondage shibari in more mainstream places so in um, uh, what's it called fashion photography um, or music videos and I suspect that the aesthetic rope we will see more of in mainstream uh, press you think, that's, in you the think that, is a, that is a trend? Yeah, I do. I do. So you mentioned the word shibari. Uh, what are some other words we can we can encounter for rope bondage? Uh, kinbaku would be one that I am personally quite fond of. Yeah, shibari and kinbaku. So t- tell people what they mean. Okay, so this uh, this might start a bit of a flame war. So don't <laughs> feel don't feel it's necessary to send me hate mail if you disagree with me. My interpretation is that shibari focuses more on the aesthetic and the details of the knotwork 
Whereas Kinbaku is um, more about the relationship to the person or persons that you are tying with the rope and the contact and the sensuality. And I would like to uh, refer to one thing that uh, SNM, which is someone who was very influential for me in learning rope, uh, likes to say, which is uh, Kinbaku is about tying persons, not parcels. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Focusing on the human element. But once again, that is my interpretation of the meaning of those terms. And I'm not saying that anyone who claims they are Shibari don't give a fuck about their bottom. That is not all what I'm saying. <laughs> I am saying if I had to uh, to find a difference between those two words, that is where I would put it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, this idea of connection, I think, is very live in the, the rope community. So talking to... Um, an American rigger recently, he was saying that um, that sometimes he feels that that connection, communication, really person element is lost a bit in some of the technical or aesthetic aspects. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this rope podcast and sharing it with you. Sadly, hosting a podcast isn't free, far from it actually. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope stuff so that we get a cut from your purchases and also ways to donate to us directly. And if you can't afford to do that, that's okay too. Just enjoy the podcast. Now back to our normal programming. So Maya, I feel that at this point we have covered uh, what rope bondage is and why people might want to do it um, pretty well. How about we talk a bit about how one would uh, go about trying it for the first time and what things are important before getting there? Sure. So I think one of the things um, that's pretty critical is the safety element. So rope bondage, we would uh, consider edge play. Uh, because there's inherent risk in it, so you can you can mitigate or manage that risk, um, but for sure uh, you're doing something that carries risk, and you and your partner need to be aware of that. So the more uh, research and learning and training that you can do, uh, the better. Um, having said that, what we're saying here is not substitute for that research and training. Um, yeah, and if if you want to try rope bondage before you do it. You need to get proper training in it. In the same way that you would not go scuba diving without having at least some scuba diving instruction before, right? You would not just grab a tank on a boat and jump in the water without knowing what you're doing, probably, I hope. I would not. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> um, okay, so what are, the, what are the dangers of rope? Okay, so I'm going to give you my... Uh, my personal view in the ranking of the risks. And once again, that is something that some people would probably disagree with, but it is my view of it. I would say the first item of risk is things to do with breathing, because maybe you knew that, Maya, but human beings, if they cannot breathe for a long amount of time, it is quite bad for them. I've heard that. Uh, can, can even lead to death, and I will say that a vast majority of fatalities in rope bondage, and sadly, yes, there are some, uh, would have to do with uh, incapacity to breathe. Okay, 
So we put that high up on our list of dangers. Uh, yeah, I used I used to have it uh, second, and then I realized that is the one you can actually die from, so I better put it first. And the breathing problems, well, would would come from obvious things such as rope around the neck, but can also come from much less obvious things, such as being put in a position where the muscles uh, necessary to your breathing, such as your diaphragm and such have a very hard time doing their job. Yeah, so when we did the suspension, we did a suspension a, a month or two ago where I was upside down mm -hmm. and I had, um, uh, you, you might have to remind me, a chest, uh, no, a, or a waist harness and also a hip harness and also a waistline. Yes. And the way that the waistline uh, dug into me affected my breathing, yes. for sure, so even though it was in a place that you wouldn't expect it to. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was uh, it was difficult to anticipate, and the reaction is going to be different with every individual. Uh, some people pretty much never encounter breathing problems, and some people have difficulties breathing as soon as you invert them in a suspension, for instance. Yeah, and and your own reaction to stuff is a big part of it. So for me, I know I have panic attacks sometimes, mm -hmm. and so there's there's some triggers for me around the possibility of not being able to breathe. So I might get more panicky. If I felt I couldn't breathe, which would have a secondary impact. Mm -hmm. So that would be my number one. Uh, my number two then is nerve damage. Okay, so tell us about nerve damage. So the idea is when you're putting rope on someone, you have a risk of impinging some of their major nerves in places where they are quite superficial in the body. And that a can be very unpleasant as a sensation. It's uh, it's not usually considered a good kind of pain, and B it can uh, lead to lasting damage from a few days to a few months to, in the worst cases, permanent damage. And so, by superficial, you mean close to the close to the surface, right? Yes, yes. Places places where those major nerves are quite exposed and not very well protected and rope in those places, especially if it's tight, especially if it's supporting some body weight, or there is some rough play involved, could uh, damage those nerves quite badly. And so where are the, the most critical areas that we should be aware of? So I'm, I'm wary to give too much information on this podcast because it is a thing that one should really research by himself and, okay. uh, and should get proper instruction face-to-face -face with an instructor. So I'm not going to delve into the details of anatomy on this podcast because I don't want anyone to feel that listening to this episode is a substitute for getting proper safety training for bondage. Sure. Okay. So what other um, dangers are there? Um, my number three on my list of dangers is something that a new bottom pretty much never thinks of at first. And that is the fact that when you are in rope, you are unable to defend yourself from all kinds of dangers, uh, such as what if there's a fire in the building? Well, you can't run away because you're tied up. What if there is some other kind of problem? And I'm sad to say, what if the person that is tying you themselves becomes a threat? Then you're not really in a position to defend yourself in any meaningful way. Sure, sure. And, and even small dangers there, like when we do rope outside, I have a bit of an insect phobia mm -hmm. and 
that's a big deal for me. Like, if insects come on me, I would be very unhappy, and I can't defend myself from that. So communicating that with you is very important. Yes, absolutely. As well as uh, reacting to uh, internal threats, if you have some health condition, like if you have asthma, and you start to have a pretty bad, a pretty bad asthma attack while you're tied up, what are you going to do about that? Do you have a plan for it? Does your rigor know where your inhaler is? If you have anything that could cause you to lose consciousness, and so on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what else? Uh, then number four, I have falling. And people tend to not realize how critical it is to our balance when we walk to have our arms free. And when you tie someone's arms up and maybe you're at a play party and they decide to wander off by themselves and they get up a flight of stairs, they don't really realize that it's actually quite challenging to climb stairs safely without your arms free. You can't grab a railing if you sleep. You can't correct your balance as much. Uh, if someone like pushes you a bit without paying attention, you can't you can't do much to to get your balance back. So that would be one type of falling, as well as falling in suspension due to a technical mishap. And what is the impact of that? Well, impact impact is the word, right? Because if you're tied up and you're in the suspension and the suspension fails dramatically, you might fall onto your face, for instance. Which yeah, is which yeah. is bad. Or, or onto your head and get a concussion or, or much worse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then last on my list at number five I have circulation. Uh why is it only number five? Because in my experience it's not that big a deal with rope. Uh some people tend to put it higher on their lists, but I find that yes, you restrict the blood flow on some level with your rope, depending on how you're tying. But it's, uh, it's never going to be quite as bad as a full-on tourniquet. And even that, you can leave on for some time uh, without causing uh, important damage to a limb or such. Yeah. So yeah. as long... Think, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think from a bottom perspective, that's the one... Circulation is the one that's the most obvious because, you know, you can, you can feel that quite quickly. And so setting bottoms, minds at, at ease about that is... Is important. Yes, I, I, I would I would very much agree. Uh, that being said, some people do have uh, conditions that may require paying more attention to circulation. But that's something you need to discuss with your bottom beforehand, before the scene happens. Yeah, and I also think it's very important for bottoms to be able to understand the difference between what nerve damage feels like and what circulation um, being cut off feels like, because yes. it's really important that you don't confuse those two, because nerve damage or, or nerve impairment, I might want to come down immediately, whereas um, circulation is something that I would absorb into my uh, scene. Yeah. Uh, I feel that as a newer bottom, you want your rigor to demonstrate to you what kind of sensations you're looking for as to nerve impingement versus circulation prickles, and that it can be useful to do some exercises before your first very serious ties so that you really know what you're looking for there. Sure, that's a great idea. Okay, uh, what are the things we do to mitigate those risks, you think, Maya? Um, 
Well, having our cutting tool is very important. So we mm-hmm. talked about that before, but making sure that we have a way out of the rope as fast as possible um, is is really critical. Um, I think practicing that is also uh, important. So yeah. some of the things that we, we did early on was uh, around, okay, well, what happens if you want to come out very fast? Like, what do you need to do? Remembering that if you're the bottom, you need to tell your uh, rigger, your top, you know, as soon as possible if you really are struggling and need to come out because it's going to take some time normally to untie. Um, yes. Obviously, it's, if it's an emergency, then cutting um, is fine, but generally we untie rather than just cut. Otherwise, we can't reuse our rope. Um, yes, and also cutting is not always the best solution, especially in case of a suspension. You, sure. you actually run the risk of aggravating the problem by uh, cutting in a panic and then dropping your model to the floor. So cutting is not your go-to solution if you have a problem, but it is a solution you need to have available if you need it. Yeah, yeah. And and having that conversation as a top and a bottom is really important beforehand. And we've touched on some of the things that I think is important um, to have discussed about conditions or what what's what might happen with you as a bottom when you're in rope. Yes. Uh, Safety-wise, I would also stress my very strong belief that you never, never leave a person in bondage unattended, even for short amounts of time. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Because for all, for all, for all the reasons we have highlighted uh, previously, essentially, they can defend themselves. If they have a problem, as the rigger, I feel that from the first moment you lay a rope on someone's skin to after you've given aftercare and they have verbally indicated that they were okay and back to a lucid state, I feel that for this whole period of time, the bottom or bottoms are your responsibility. And you need to be mindful of that and vigilant. So yeah, no matter what the setting is, even if you're at a party or something like that, unless you have a dedicated spotter that knows it is their job to look after your bottom while you go and fetch something, for instance, I would say do not let someone who is in bondage out of your sight. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think almost every incidence of fatality in bondage can be traced back to someone being tied up and left alone. Wow, I, I have not seen these fatalities, so maybe I'll um, do some research myself on yes. that. Uh, but yes, I can see how that would happen. Uh, so we've talked a lot about risks to the body and risks of injury and so on. But uh, there is another type of incident that comes up quite frequently around rope, Maya, and that is consent-based issues. Yeah. So consent um, in BDSM is about understanding what is okay for you as a top or as a bottom in terms of a scene. Uh, and, and in rope, obviously, as we've said, when you're tied up, you're very vulnerable. Um, and if you're a bottom like me, who gets quite spacey, it's possible that when you're actually in the scene, um, you might be in a headspace where um, it's not really decision-making time. So. It's super important to have discussed beforehand um, with your scening partner what is okay and what is not okay. Because you won't be in a state to say in the moment, probably. Yeah, and and even if you feel like you can say in the moment, you need to make sure that you would be all right with it afterwards Hmm. um, because you don't want to do something that you uh, regret or that 
you know you agree to in one state but actually day to day you would never have agreed to um it's like being like being drunk i guess or um or any kind of altering mind space my headspace altering um uh, happenings absolutely so, so so what are people discussing in consent what's the what does that involve um mostly it would be very important to think ahead to what you're okay with happening when you're in the rope uh do you want the scene to be sexual or non-sexual that's something you should state very clearly to your partner are there some areas of your body you don't want touched maybe you don't like people touching your stomach maybe with that particular person you don't feel an intimate connection enough that you want them fondling your breasts and that are some things that are very important to state in a way that is unambiguous and yeah because what is sexual and what is not sexual is more of a continuum i would say uh than a, a black or white thing um, and, I, and i've been very surprised at what some people consider sexual and and how some people don't consider that sexual so checking assumptions and checking definitions and being quite specific um, i think is very important Absolutely. And also, I want to stress for the rope bottoms or aspiring rope bottoms out there that you do not need to feel pressure to conform to a given model. You have the freedom to define your own limits. And maybe that other bunny over there is letting the rigger put an anal hook in her while she gets tied up. That does not mean you have to accept the same. There is not one standard way to do rope. There's not a boilerplate agreement between a rigger and a model, uh, every set of partners has the right to define their own limits. Yeah, definitely. And and you can also progress. So, you know, if you're going to tie with someone regularly, then you might start off um, non-sexual or much less sexual, and then you can develop and grow the connection um, as it feels right. Okay, so I guess we've got our message across that if you want to try rope bondage, do it right, do some research, get some proper training. That's not something we're going to repeat again and again in every episode because it would get pretty dull, but please keep that in mind whenever you listen to us. Sure. So with that being said, uh, Maya, why are we doing a podcast about rope? Because we really, really like rope. We maybe. do, don't we? <laughs> we we yeah, do we a do. lot of it. We do a lot of rope, and we also both um, listen to podcasts. That's a, a yes. thing that both of us enjoy. Um, and we also like the the theory um, of rope. So so not just doing it, but talking about it. It's quite a big part of our uh, lives and our connection. Yeah. And we like the idea um, of having this more balanced, bunny rigor perspective. So hearing from um, both of those perspectives rather than just a rigor perspective, which perhaps not now, because I do see more bunny stuff um, on FetLife and stuff now, but certainly in the past, it's been very rigor-focused. Yes, historically, I would agree that the trend was very um, rigor-centered, and we very much want to be agents of change in that area. Right, so less rigor rock star and more um, partnership and both perspectives. Absolutely. So this podcast is going to cover all about rope, uh, just rope here but many different aspects what we do with it gear ties experiences uh, we also have a rope tourist here in Maya right 
Yes, yes. So um, I'm lucky enough to travel quite a lot for work and pleasure. Um, and if I go to a country or a city where I see any rope, then I usually try and fit some of that in on my trip. Um, so recently, for example, um, in the UK and also in America. So I can talk about my experiences and the people I've met and how things differ. Yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, also, we have a strong component of interactivity with you, dear listener. And we have a FetLife page called Rope Podcast. No spaces, no underscore, just Rope Podcast as a single word. And there you can send us messages and you can send us questions. And we will have a listener's mail segment where we'll take some time and try to answer some of your questions. Perfect. And, and the more interactivity, the better, I think. Absolutely. Uh, if you're curious about who we are, you can also find us on FetLife. I am Fox of Bangkok. Uh, and I am my arms underscore bend back. That's a very interesting name, Maya. <laughs> How did you choose well, that? I was searching around for a new name for various reasons. And I asked my sir to help me. <laughs> You're so lucky to have such a creative sir. Right. <laughs> so that's all from us at the Rope Podcast for today. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. So iTunes, Stitcher or wherever. And come find us on our FetLife page, which is Rope Podcast. Single word, no hyphen, no space, no underscore, just Rope Podcast. Uh, we love questions from listeners, so drop us a message on FET and we'll try to answer you in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying. Bye.